Welcome to the Heartland Community Church Podcast, a podcast designed to help you in your personal spiritual growth. In this podcast, Steve Carter's message is, Teach Me How to Pray. Hey, Heartland, Steve Carter here. Man, I wish we could be together. I really, really do. I miss you guys. Last weekend, we were talking about the Redwoods. I just had this, this vision, this dream that, that we would be in a service all holding hands, kind of how those, those roots were interlocked with one another, and we'd literally be like one another in one another, just praying, maybe giving words of encouragement to end the service. And I challenged you this past week to make a list of some people that you wanted to one another. And I was on a Zoom call with a number of people from Heartland, and one uh, person who's been going to Heartland for a number of years, Richard, I saw Gordy on the Zoom call and he said, hey, Gordy, you were on my list. I'm supposed to give you a word of encouragement. And so can I just do it right now? And you know Gordy. I mean, he's an incredible man, incredible pastor. He's encouraged all of us. And I loved it because he just had to take it. He had to receive the words from Richard, a congregant, a person who's a part of Heartland. And Richard just spoke words into his life. And I was like, yes, this is what the church is to one another, one another. But I wanna take you back to the image that I closed our service with. Remember I told you how one redwood would fall? And then all of a sudden, it's like the other redwoods would just send nutrients and like new life would begin to grow around it? Well, do you know what scientists call this? Scientists refer to this as a cathedral. Because when you actually stand and you look up and you experience the beauty and the power and the majesty, you almost feel as if you are in a holy and sacred place, like a cathedral. That's what happens when the church one another is one another, when the church is like interconnected, when the church walks well with one another, you almost feel like you are in a holy and sacred place moment. And this is what Easter people do. And friends, we are Easter people. And yes, we live in a Good Friday world, but that is not going to stop us from one anothering one another. And so today, I want to take that idea just a little bit farther. And I want to take you to the book of Luke and Matthew, where Jesus is walking. And one of his disciples stops and says, Lord, teach us how to pray. Now, quick time out. If someone that just stopped you on the side of the road, if someone stopped you in the grocery store and they knew you, or maybe one of your kids came up to you and said, hey, teach me how to pray, you probably first would think, okay, well, um, often I find a, a quiet spot. For some of you, maybe it's like I close my hands and I bow my head. Maybe for some of you, it's some formula that someone's taught you, like acts, like affirmation, confession, thankfulness, supplication. That's kind of my formula for prayer. But that's not what the disciples, these students of Jesus, were asking the rabbi. You know what they were asking? They were asking him when they said, teach us how to pray. They were asking, rabbi, what gets you up out of bed? Rabbi, what are you hoping to see fulfilled and accomplished through your ministry? They're asking the rabbi, what do you beg God for? In business language, they were asking the rabbi, what's your mission? What are you doing? What's your vision for what this world can be? And Jesus responds in Matthew 6 and Luke 11 with the famous 
prayer known as the Lord's Prayer. And he says, our Father. I love it. I love it because it's just not like my God. He's like our Father. And then he gives this Father a location. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And hallowed's a beautiful word. It means uh, whole and holy and set apart. I mean, this, this God that is in heaven, this Father of ours that is in heaven is set apart, is holy. And then he says, your kingdom come, your will, your dreams, your hopes, your desires, your purposes be done here on earth as it is in heaven. I mean, I love this. What Jesus is saying is our Father's in heaven and holy is his name. And my prayer is that his will would be done here in Rockford, here in Belvedere, here in Poplar Grove, here as it is in heaven. And those are powerful words. But the question, the question that these Talmudim, these disciples would be having is, is simply this. Well, how do we make God's name hallow here? How do we have heaven invade Rockford? How do we do this? And look what Jesus says. Jesus offers some ways in which he's praying. And friends, let me just be really, really clear. That are profoundly spiritual and profoundly practical. Spiritual and practical. Uh, Some people would say it's both orthodoxy like our understanding and and thoughts and beliefs about God, and orthopraxy, how we actually incarnate those thoughts and beliefs of our relationship with God. Let me help you understand this more. Look what Jesus says. If you want to make God's name hallowed here on earth, if you want to make God's name set apart in Rockford, this is how you do it. Give us today our daily bread. Truly spiritual, right? I mean, many people would refer to the word of God as like daily bread. Many people would think, man, just learning to hear from God, it's like feeds our souls profoundly spiritual. But think just for a second. If you are a bunch of people that are living under Roman occupation and persecution and you don't know when you're going to have your next meal. Friends, I'm telling you, it's spiritual. We need to hear from God. We need to receive from God, but it's also deeply practical because we also need food to eat. And this is what Jesus is praying. He's praying that people would hear and receive word and truth from God, but they'd also have food to fill their bellies. Continues on, and he says this, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Profoundly spiritual. I mean, this is what the cross is all about. Jesus takes all of our sin. I mean, the song, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound That Saved a Wretch Like Me, takes all of that sin upon himself on the cross. Profoundly spiritual. Forgives us our debts. But let's bring it to a bunch of people who are living in Roman occupation, and they have been taxed so high, and they are about to lose their land. And all of a sudden, Jesus is saying, you know what, man? You know how you make God's name holy here on earth? You ensure people don't lose their land. You ensure that people have food to eat. It is both profoundly spiritual and practical. And it ends. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I think sometimes the temptation 
It's just for us to kind of get caught up just in ideas. Now, this is just a prayer, not something we need to incarnate. And I think sometimes that's how the evil one tempts us. Ah, oh, you don't need to live that. You don't need to like actually be that. You don't need to actually do that. You can get just distracted. You can kind of just drift off and not actually live out Jesus's mission here on earth. And if you fast forward to Acts chapter two, we know Jesus has ascended into heaven. Holy Spirit has just broken out and thousands of people have come to faith. It says 2,000 people. 2,000 people, Acts chapter 2, come to faith. And what's so amazing about this is you see this like move of God, this literal move of God as people are just getting baptized. And, and, and I sit there and I said 2,000, I'm sorry, I messed up. It's 3,000, 3,000 people who find themselves just receiving the Spirit, getting baptized. And in Acts 2, 42 through 47, this group of disciples now have a church. And this church went from a little over 100 to thousands. And they're thinking to themselves, well, what are we going to do? And again, you got to remember, these disciples are most likely high school age students. I mean, they're filled with the Holy Spirit. Later in the book of Acts, it'll say that they were untrained, unschooled, ordinary men, but these religious leaders realized that they had been with Jesus. There was something different. They had chutzpah, they had passion, and now they are leading thousands of people. And so what do they decide to do? I imagine one of the disciples says, hey, remember what Jesus taught us? Remember what Jesus taught us? Remember his prayer? Remember his mission? Remember what he begged God to do? Maybe we should just do that. So hear these words in Acts 2, 42 through 47, but hear them in context of the Lord's prayer and see if you can't see the profound spiritual power of the Lord's prayer and also how practical this prayer can be when the church decides to live it out. Friends, hear these words. They, this first church, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, which is the word, and to fellowship, which this word literally means community that's on mission. That's what the word means. It means a people on mission. To the breaking of bread and to prayer. Right there. Do you see, just in a sense, the Lord's prayer, give us today our daily bread. I'm like, okay, all right, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna like study the word, um, we're going to be joining together in community. We're going to be on mission. So we're like, we're not just going to like study this, but we're going to like live this together. Oh, and we're going to break bread so that everybody has food. And it's going to remind us of what Jesus did for us. And yet we're going to also be able to fill our bellies and we're going to have something to eat. Oh, and we're going to be committed to prayer. What prayer? The praying for one another, but also the Lord's prayer continues on. It even gets better. It's just this. Everyone was filled with awe at many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. I mean, do you see? It's like a cathedral. It's like when you stand at the base of those redwoods. All these people were experiencing something so profound and unique. And like it was like of God. And they were connected. 
they were like together. They had everything in common. And it continues on. Verse 45, they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. What are they doing? They're forgiving debts. They are forgiving debts so that people don't lose their land, so that people aren't living into the stress of occupation. They are connecting, and almost like those redwoods, they're interlocked. They are one anothering, one another saying, I got you. I see you. You need help? I got you. That's what the church does. And look what happens. Verse 46, every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts. Why? Because they, the fellowship, they were people on mission. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts because they all had food and they were all experiencing the power of Christ And they were understanding that they were the first church and they were going to model how we were supposed to live and orient our lives. And verse 47, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people, people within the church, people outside the church. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Friends, can I tell you, it's not that hard. Church is not that hard. Because all that church is, when it's done right, It's the incarnation of the Lord's Prayer. It's people who say, our Father who's in heaven, so holy and so set apart, but doesn't just want to stay there. He actually wants his dream, his will to be done here on earth, in Rockford as it is in heaven. And so it starts with people who are hungry for the bread, hungry for the word of God, and people who are relentless to ensure that others who have no bread no word of God, or have no physical bread can receive food for their bellies. And this first church said, we're going to be people who forgive debts because we understand the power of the cross. We understand that resurrection happened and that evil and death has been defeated and that love is victorious. And you know what? We are going to be people who forgive one another. And you know what? We're actually going to help people who are stuck in this stronghold of debt to Roman occupation, we are going to give them resources so that they and their debts can be forgiven. Oh, you know what? We're going to break bread. We're going to forgive debts. We're not going to be tempted to get caught over here, over here, but we're not going to be distracted by the evil one. But we are going to be so connected that when people gather around us or people hear about us, they recognize there is something hallowed something holy, something beautiful about that community. And friends, I don't know about you, um, but if you like to garden, you probably have built a trellis before. And what's a trellis? Trellis is, is something that goes alongside a vine or a tree to ensure that the tree grows up strong. And in the first church, they believe that practices Key practices were going to be the trellis that ensured that people saw them making a difference, that people saw them hallowing the name of God on earth. And so what were those practices? Well, the word, studying the apostles' teaching, what you're doing right now, leaning in, checking in to what God is teaching us through his word, through fellowship. 
through connecting, not living life on your own. Friends, I'm telling you, a redwood by itself does not survive. A redwood is able to survive because it's interlocked and interconnected to others. And friends, Christianity is not a solo sport. We need each other. Number three, they broke bread. They broke bread. They ensured, man, that they, that they like were giving. There was this just missional spirit to them. And there were people of prayer. They prayed. They prayed. They heard from God. They were trying to orient their one and only life to the Lord's prayer. And then they were generous. They were generous. They were inviting people who were outside in. They were generous with their resources and they were making just contributions to help these people in the church. And friends, every time you give, and you're doing the same thing. And friends, for me, when I look at my life, I go, gosh, the Lord's Prayer, Acts 2, it's like this trellis. And I gotta, I gotta really take some big time inventory in my life and go, how well am I doing learning from the apostles' teaching? How am I doing with living on mission in community? How am I doing with breaking bread and, and living missionally to serve and help those in need? How am I doing in my prayer life? And how am I doing when it comes to my generosity? And friends, when we, as heartlanders, do these five like we become these Easter people that people see us interlocked, interconnected, and they see something different in us. And what is it? It's like we're a cathedral. It's like a group of people who have decided to hallow the one true God and to bring his will down to Rockford and so that everyone else can experience the beauty and the joy and the glory of grace. And friends, that's what we're invited into. That's what it means to be Easter people. So, can I ask you, how are you doing with one of these five? How are you doing with getting time and studying the apostles' teaching? I mean, Eric's been doing you know, mornings with Eric, and I've been doing the nightly psalms, evening psalms. Now, these are opportunities for us to just dive into God's word. What would it look like for you to say, man, I just got to commit back to this book? How, how are you doing with community? How are you doing with one another and one another? Who are your people? Who are your tribe? Maybe for you, you got to get on a Zoom call this week. Chris, our, our, our small groups, life groups guy, he's been like leading this charge. And there's people every week who are jumping on who don't have community. They're saying, I need it. I need fellowship. And when you have it, Man, you have the potential to grow into a strong tree that bears the best kind of fruit that can weather any system and circumstance. And it's three, breaking bread. How are you living missionally? Who are you serving in this time? And I know it's interesting days, but, but who are you really serving? Who are you praying for? And how's your generosity level? And I kid you not, if we... As the Easter people, we as, the, as Heartlanders can do these five during COVID when we get the chance to gather back together. Man, I kid you not, people from the outside are going to say, that's a cathedral. That is a compelling force for good. That is something I want to be a part of. Friends, I love you. I believe in you. 
And I believe if we can incarnate the Lord's Prayer, both spiritually and practically, God will do something in us and through us and with us that we have never seen before. You've been listening to the Heartland Community Church Podcast. Steve Carter's message today is, Teach Me How to Pray. If you'd like to experience the entire service this message came from, go to heartland.cc and click on the watch page. Or you can go to the Heartland Community Church YouTube channel or watch it on the Heartland app. Search Heartland CC in the App Store.